Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, I had written this song last year after Pastor Paul said that he was going to be talking about um, Jesus being the Prince of Peace. And uh, kind of went back through and looked up some Bible verses. And um, I think just what has stood out to me last year, and I think even more now through this past year of really digging in more to the Bible, is how there was a plan from the very beginning. And that the Old Testament speaks of Christ's coming. And that it wasn't something that just happened haphazardly. God's not haphazard. And um, I just am always just baffled by that. <laughs> um, and that on this night, we celebrate Jesus coming to earth as that one singular historical event that has changed the world forever. Did you come on a midnight clear? Did you come on a night in the winter? Did you ride on an angel song? Heaven delivered his holy son. It was a message from God and he was saying, all those years of prophets and praying broke down world became your home heaven reached out with a plan of its own our prince of peace has come the word is flesh the picture is clear this is what love looks like round here Mama riding on a donkey's back Family comes, there's no place to unpack It was a message from God and he was saying All these years of prophets and praying Broke down world, become your home Heaven reached out with the plan of its own Our prince of peace has come You came just for me. A kind of love that reconciles, born in the eyes of the Christ child. It was a message from God, and He was saying, All these years of prophets and praying, broke down the world, become your home. Heaven reached out with the plan of its own. It was a message from God, He was saying, all these years of prophets and praying Broke down the world, become your home Heaven reached out with the plan of its own Our Prince of Peace Emmanuel Our Prince of Peace Has come Did you come on a midnight clear? 
Did you come on a night in the winter? Rode on in on an angel song. Heaven delivered his only son. Awesome. Good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas. Isn't it great to be able to say Merry Christmas? Isn't it great to be able to say that? Yeah. Isn't it great to be at the end of December right now? Right? Just a few days ago, actually, no, yesterday, I, uh, I went shopping online, as some of you might be doing as well this year. And uh, I went to a store that had a coupon code, and the coupon was BY2020. B-Y-E-2020. And I thought, you know, that was actually pretty creative. Um, but you know what? It doesn't matter what year that we're here. It doesn't matter if it's the greatest year that we've ever experienced or the worst year that we've experienced. We are still going to celebrate and be reminded of the good news of Jesus Christ and celebrate his birth tonight. Amen. So we're going to do that and we're going to do it a little bit differently tonight. Um, you know, just as Molly's saying, every year Christian churches all around the world in December, celebrate what they call the Advent. And the Advent is uh, just another way of saying the coming. It's Latin for the coming. Uh, And it speaks of the coming of the birth of Christ, the Messiah. And the preparations that the church makes as we get close to the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. So what Christian churches do all around the world is they take the, the, the four Sundays before Christmas and they carve out four specific themes or perspectives of what Christmas means. And they use those four themes across the month to build the expectation and to set the stage about the value of of Christmas and why the birth of Christ is so powerful and so um, so life changing. You know, whether you've grown up in the church or whether it's relatively new to you, uh, Christmas is probably not new to you because people all over the country and the world celebrate it. But maybe your understanding of Christmas isn't quite like what it can be after our service tonight. You know, in the same way that a cube. If you hold it on the top and the bottom, a cube has four sides around it. And as you turn that cube, each side gives you a slightly different perspective. These four themes that are celebrated and remembered during the Advent season teach us what it means to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Why does it matter? Why is it so significant? It's not just the baby Jesus and that he was born. There's so much more to it. And we look at each one of these individually, and they each tell a very significant tale about how powerful and how significant the birth of Christ really is. So we're going to go through all four tonight. We're going to look at hope. We're going to look at joy. We're going to look at um, love. And then finally, we'll look at peace. And as we walk through those, there will be some times that we read scripture. You're welcome to read the scripture along with me, or you can just listen to them, to the words. And we're going to have some time of singing and you're welcome to sing along with us. Or if you just want to sit in your seats and reflect while the songs are being sung, you can do that as well. And then at the end of our service, we're going to uh, take out those special little candles that you all have. 
And uh, we're going to crack them and we're going to sing some Christmas carols tonight that just speak to the power of Christ and what it means to have a Savior uh, in our midst and in our presence, a gift from God. But before we do that, I want to address all of our kids here. How many kids do we have here tonight? And I don't mean adult children. I mean like real children. Okay, we got a couple kids here. Do you guys all have your coloring books? And do you all have crayons or whatever that you need? Okay, if you don't have them, um, you can get some out there on the table. You can ask your mom or dad or someone to just take it and go get one for you and bring it back. But I want you guys to know this. You're going to follow along the story with me tonight. And as you open your book, you're going to see each one of those themes. You're going to see hope. You're going to see um, joy. You're going to see love. And you're going to see peace. And every time we get to one of those places, I'm going to tell you what page in your book you should be at. And when you get to that page, you can color in the words. Uh, You can color in the pictures because each one of these words is also connected with a very powerful image that we'll talk about tonight as well. So I want you guys to pay attention and listen closely and you'll hear me talk about the pages and you can stay along and color along with us as we spend some time tonight celebrating the birth of Jesus. Okay? So if you would join me, we're going to start by opening in prayer tonight. And I just want to invite the Lord into this place and that God would speak to us in a very real and intentional way. Father, we just come before you tonight, and I want to thank you that we can come tonight as a church body, as a community, and we can just celebrate the birth of your son. Lord, in the busyness of this world, so many people see this as just another event on a calendar, an opportunity to give gifts, a time to make cookies or to gather with family. But Lord, Christmas is so much bigger than that. This is the message of hope and the message of joy and the message of love and the message of peace. Lord, I pray tonight as we walk through the scripture and we talk about the significance of your coming, that your arrival would speak deeply to our hearts and we would be touched by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first one we're going to look at tonight is the coming or the arrival of Jesus and how his arrival represents hope. Jesus' arrival represents hope because God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. Now, for all of our kids, you can go to your books and you can turn to page three, and there's going to be a symbol or a picture of a Bible. And you can color that Bible in. And we have that there because as we spend some time talking through this, the Bible's very clear that it is the word of God. We understand the Bible and the scriptures to be the inspired word of God. And when we look at Christmas and the season of Advent, we always start with hope. Because hope tells us that there is a promise that God made. Hope tells us that there is a promise that God will continue to fulfill. Hope is about looking ahead as much as we look behind, knowing that God is always with us and will always keep his promises. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, we see the prophet Isaiah talk about the coming prophet, the coming Messiah. And he says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. 
the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, if you don't know too much about the history of God's people or the nation of Israel, a real quick summary will tell you that if you look back to the Old Testament, you'll see that God called his people to himself and he called them the nation of Israel. And at this time where Isaiah wrote these words to the nation, they were being sent out of their nation. They were being cast into exile because of disobedience. The nation that was their home for hundreds of years, they were cast out of and they were going to another land, a foreign land to live for some time. And as they were doing this, and as they were going in that direction, the message that they heard from the prophets, and they've heard for years before, and they would continue to hear for years ahead, is that God was going to send a king or a deliverer to make all things new. He was going to fix the problem, restore the nation, draw his people back to himself, and set up a kingdom, because he is the true king. Of Israel, And they believed that there would be a deliverer or a Messiah that would come. And the amazing thing about that truth and but that, that, that message is that that is what the theme is what you see all through the Old Testament. That Israel was always looking for their king and their deliverer to come and restore to them the kingdom of the world. But God had bigger plans. He didn't want to just restore the kingdom of the world. He came and sent his son not so that the earth and the world could be restored, but the heavenly kingdom could come to earth and we could know who we were really intended to know. To know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that we can truly hope in someone who's greater than ourselves. The writer of of Isaiah says that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And those words were intentional. Because the hope that we have is not in someone that we are on the same level playing field with. God isn't just a counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. What what Isaiah is saying here is the one that you're going to hope in is the greatest wisdom you could ever have. He has it. The one with the greatest amount of authority, that's him. The one who loves more than anyone else, that's your everlasting father. And when he plays it out this way and writes it out, what he's basically telling us in a nutshell is because he is great, because he has authority, because he is full of love, you can trust his promises. And that's our application. Why does hope matter to us? Because today, just like thousands of years ago, today, when we look at the birth of Jesus and we think about God in the flesh, We think about our Heavenly Father. We can be reminded tonight that you can trust God's faithfulness and you can trust God's promises. His promises from ages ago have come to pass. His promises from weeks or months ago will come to pass. And the promises that he's making about the future will come to pass. You can trust him because he knows all. He's powerful. He's mighty. He is the God of all creation. So when we think about the advent and the arrival of this deliverer and this savior, there's great hope that doesn't just apply to people that lived thousands of years ago. It applies to us today. Because no one likes to have a promise broken. And if you're like me, you've probably had someone break a promise on you, or maybe you've broken promises on others. 
But God's word never fails. His promise is always true. And what he says, we can always put our trust in. That's the message that Israel heard, and what they looked forward to was a message of hope. Interestingly enough, as the song says, the call and the the exhortation is to rejoice. Rejoice, they said, in their hope. Rejoice, they're saying, because God has come. Emmanuel, God has come. Because the arrival of Jesus wasn't just about hope. 
The arrival of Jesus represents joy. And that's the second thing we're going to talk about tonight. The arrival of Jesus represents joy because God can do the impossible. He can do the impossible. He is the God of the impossible. He created everything. Now for our kids, if you're following along, take your books and turn to page eight. And you're going to see um, an illustration there of an angel. And I want you to stick on that page and you can color that angel and just follow along with us during this time. But God can do the impossible. And as we read in Luke 1, verses 26 through 38, we see what that looks like. Luke writes in verse 26, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Sometimes it's hard to look at a story and see where we're going. And yet in this story, we see that the coming, the expectation, and the arrival of Jesus actually represents joy. And it doesn't necessarily feel intuitive when you look at the story, and I want to explain why. You see, though there's joy in the story, I'm pretty sure this was not part of Mary's plan. I wonder how many of us at 14 or 15 years old would write down on their paper that they desired to be visited by an angel to be told that they would have a baby and they're not married and they have no plan and they have no income and they have no job. They have none of those things. I wonder if this was really part of Mary's plan. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it wasn't. But it gets more difficult and complicated because having a child is one thing, but having one child without being married in that culture was something very different. You see, when the angel visited Mary and said what was going to happen to her, Mary had to make a choice because he wasn't just saying you're going to have a baby. What the angel was saying was you are going to live a life of being misunderstood. By taking on this call, you will live the rest of your life being misunderstood. It's not a common thing to have a child Without a man, she wasn't married. How is this going to happen? 
supernaturally, can I tell you for the rest of her life, there were people that looked at her and said, we know what you said, but we know what the truth was. And she would forever be misunderstood. Let me ask you, if that was your calling, if that's what your life was intended to be like, where is the joy in being labeled for the rest of your life? And yet, the scripture teaches us that there is joy in what Mary experienced. And the joy wasn't in what the angel said. And it wasn't in the plan. The joy was in Mary's response. Look at this with me. Her response in verse 38 was, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. You see, Mary trusted God and her response of obedience is what brought the joy to pass in her life. Sometimes we get this backwards or messed up. We think joy has to always be around about circumstances or joy always has to be around what we think we want to do or our decisions in life or what God tells us to do should be happy. And if we take a step back, we actually can misunderstand that when God invites us to do something, sometimes we think he's just trying to take our fun or uh, just, you know, bum us out with things. But, but that's not at all accurate, and that's not a representation of God. His plans for us are better than what our plans could ever be. And that's really the application for this, to say, why does this matter for you, and why does this matter for me? It matters for us just the same reason it matters to Mary. It, marries, it matters to us. Look at verses 46 and 47. Mary's response to her obedience was to write a song. And the first two lines of the song she wrote said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The application for us tonight is very simply this. You can trust God's plan for your life. You can trust God's plan. You might say, I don't think I like the plan that I have right now. I didn't tend to be where I am right now. This wasn't on my five-year or my 10-year plan. God's really good at letting me write things down in ink and then making me tear the paper up and go in a different direction. Well, if you feel like where you are right now is not what you intended to be 5, 10, 15 years ago, I'm with you. I never 15, 20 years ago would have ever thought I would be right here. And I don't mean in Lansdale. God has a way of doing things in our lives that we don't understand. But he sees something we don't. He uses every circumstance, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we think we will be misunderstood. The response that we need to have the response we need to have is not just, I will be joyful when you show me what's happening. No, the response we need to have is, my attitude should be like Mary's. I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. And when we choose to lay down our lives to be obedient to what God asks us to do, that's where the joy comes. Not before. The joy is found in the obedience and when we're obedient to God, it doesn't matter what's happening around us. We know we are on God's plan. And his plan is the best plan because he made us. And he knows what works best for each one of us. Do you trust God's plan? The arrival of Jesus speaks to 
the arrival and the benefit of us experiencing joy. And it represents joy for each one of us. If you're looking for joy this evening, obey God and trust his plan because he's good and he knows what he has for you. Oh 
we've talked about hope. We've talked about joy. And now we get to talk about love. How the arrival of Jesus represents love. The arrival of Jesus represents love tonight because God pursues relationship, not religion. Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth is about relationship and not religion. And let me explain that. We're going to read from Luke chapter 2. And look what Luke says. He says, in those days, by the way, kids, birth of Jesus, page 11. Get to that page and you can color in the baby Jesus. Just so you know, that's not really a picture of the baby Jesus, but it's our best idea of the baby Jesus. I thought it was funny too. (laughs) Page 11, color in your Jesus. Luke chapter 2. 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Picture this. Mary's visited by an angel months before, and you're going to be the mother of the Most High God, and you're going to name him Emmanuel. And no one's going to understand what's happening. And you will be completely misunderstood. But there's a baby. And they need to travel far away from where they are to go back to Joseph's original town because a governor tells them they need to take a census. So there's a new baby on the way. They have no home. They're going to the city to take the census. They have to travel. I'm willing to bet she's on a donkey, probably riding all the way to the city. Now, I've never had this experience, but I would imagine if you're nine months pregnant, riding a donkey would probably be uncomfortable. Just a hunch. They get to the city, and there's no room for them to stay anywhere. There are no open beds in the entire city or town for Joseph and Mary, who's carrying God's only son. Think about that. Is that a coincidence? If God is God and he knows everything, don't you think he would have known that there wasn't even a place for his son to be born in the town that he was going to? Of course he did. After talking to a few people, we see in the scripture where they end up is in this this stable. And depending on what translation you look at or what studying you've done, it's either a a barn of some sort, a little lean-to, or maybe a cave. It's probably dark, a little musty. might stink because the animals like to do whatever they do in the cave. And that's where the Son of God is born. And the scripture says that he's wrapped in cloths and placed in a manger, which is a fancier word of saying a feeding trough that animals would either eat or drink out of. This is the King of Kings, the divine creator, the son of God born of a virgin in a town where no one had any space for him in a stinky, gross cave where animals were sleeping. Why would that be? 
I think it's because God was telling us something. And this is one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story. God was showing us that his gift to the world was available to everyone. You see, he could have put, G- he could have put Mary or Jesus could have been the son of a very prestigious young lady. Maybe a wealthy family. Maybe he could have been born in some ivory tower somewhere. As you see, you know, historically when a royal baby is born and they carry the baby out and and everyone looks at the baby and they're in awe, but they see the child from a distance, right? Not this child. This child you had full access to. Whether you were royalty or whether you were an everyday commoner, you could come, find this child, meet this child, worship this child. There's something really powerful about this story, the way that God did this, because the message I believe he was sending to all of them and to us is that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ himself, didn't come to earth to be served. He came to earth to serve others. And he's available for you and he's available for me because it's not about religion. He didn't come to build buildings. So our churches have buildings and we have ritualistic things that we do, which it's not bad to practice some of the things that we do, but they can never take the place of the fact that he came for us to know him because he created us. It's all about the relationship. It's not about the religion. And what was his name? Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. That's the beautiful story of Christmas. God Almighty sends his son, not so that he can be on this earth from a distance, but that he can walk with those that are near him. He can talk with you. When you're sick, he could lay hands on you and touch you. When you need to be held or comforted, he could be there. And when you didn't know your purpose and you felt lost, he could deliver and give you the truth of the kingdom of heaven to teach you That if you really want to know who God is, you don't have to look for this ominous sign. He says, just look at me. Just watch me, he says, and you'll see who God is. He made himself available to everyone. And that's the story of love. The application tonight, and this is so important for us to remember, you can trust God's passion. And what is he passionate about above everything else in this world? You. Me. His creation, not the world as we see it, but the ones that he made in his image. He is the most passionate about all of that. And he demonstrated it by the gift of his son in a way that everyone had full access to. Don't ever doubt that God doesn't love you. Don't ever doubt that God doesn't care enough in whatever circumstance or situation that you're in. Don't ever believe that he is too busy to hear you and to walk with you and that his spirit can't walk in relationship with you. He has made himself available 2,000 years ago to everyone who walked on the earth and now who is through his spirit. We are all available to him or he is all available to us as well through his spirit. 2,000 years ago, he walked with man. Today, his spirit lives in those who believe. You are not far from God. He is always close to you and he is passionately desiring deeper relationship with each one of us.
So we've talked about the arrival of Jesus representing hope because we can trust his promises. He's always the same, never never changes. What he did, he will continue to do. What he's promised to fulfill, he will fulfill. We talked about Jesus being the arrival or the arrival of Jesus representing joy because we can trust his plan. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's difficult to understand, even when we want to choose one way or another, the joy that comes from obedience, that's what we should be looking for. We can't expect joy without obedience. When we choose to obey God's plan, that's where we begin to experience the kind of joy that only he can give us. And we spoke about the arrival of Jesus representing love. Incredible, representing love. That it's not about religion, it's about relationship. That he sent Jesus to us in the humblest of circumstances because he wanted us to know that he came for everyone. The last one we're looking at tonight, the last theme, is that the arrival of Jesus represents peace represents peace. Why? Simply put, because God rescued us. You see, the story of Christmas is not complete if we only stop with the baby in the manger. Christmas isn't just about the manger. Christmas is about the cross. And with our kids here, if you guys want to turn to page 15, we have some crosses there that you can color and you can follow along with us on page 15 in your books. But we cannot celebrate Christmas complete without talking about the cross. I know sometimes people, they'll say, well, you can't talk about the cross yet. We're not at Easter or Good Friday. But we need to talk about the cross if we're going to talk about the arrival of Jesus. Because without the cross, Jesus' birth is incomplete. Peace is what he's given us through his arrival because he rescued us. Luke writes in chapter 2, verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. The angels come. The angels approach the shepherds in the field. And they make this declaration about the arrival of Jesus. And they say, glory to God in the highest. And what did they say? Peace on earth on whom his favor rests. Jesus came to bring peace to the earth. And this is where we need to really clarify what peace means. Because the world that we live in defines peace a very specific way. And peace is always connected to circumstances. It doesn't take much to do a little research to say our world, if you do a study, you can see around the last 35 or 24 or 3,500 years, studies have shown that less than 300 of those years in our world have been what we call peaceful years. Over 3,400 years, and they believe there's less than 300 years of peace during that time. Why? Because they define peace on circumstances. 
When circumstances are one way, we're not at peace. When they are another way, we are at peace. This is what we need to understand. God's definition of peace looks nothing like man's definition of peace. The peace that we see in scripture is an unshakable confidence. And what I mean by that is this. It's a confidence that says this. We may not know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. We may not know. I may not ever know what the future holds. I can tell you, I don't know what the future holds. I know what God's word says about some things, but tomorrow and next week and the following week, I don't know what the future holds, but I know the one who holds the future. That is the peace that passes all understanding. You know why? Because it doesn't matter then what we go through. We can be joyful. We can be thrilled. We can be happy. We can be sorrowful and going through major grief. But the peace that passes understanding says, Lord, I don't know what the future holds, but I know the one who holds the future. And I belong to you because you made me to know you. And I walk in relationship with you because I don't know the way you do. And that is the beautiful story of peace. That's why he came and that's why he went to the cross. Jesus didn't just die on the cross. In the process of him dying, he defeated the power of sin and death in this world. He defeated the stranglehold of sin and death that men have, that women have, that mankind deals with. He destroyed it. Not just for now, he destroyed it for eternity. Where we were once prisoners to that sin, we are now made whole by putting our faith in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Look what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1, verses 7 and 8. He says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and all understanding. How much does God love you? What kind of effort did it take? How much of a cost did he have to pay? He bankrupted heaven so that we, by the death of Jesus, could experience eternal life. How many of us would give something so dear to us for the sake of those who hate us? Who would sacrifice their own son in this room for the sake of people that hated him or that hate you? I don't think any of us would. And yet he bankrupted heaven to reach out and restore and redeem mankind who didn't even know we needed to be saved. A great cost, a great price that was paid from a great father who has a great love for you and for me. You can trust him. You can trust him. Can I tell you again? You can trust him. And the arrival of Jesus in this world the birth of Jesus reminds us there is hope beyond everything. He said it, he will do it. He gives you a promise, he will fulfill it. The arrival of Jesus reminds us there is joy. If you choose obedience to follow his plan and not your own, in your obedience you find joy. You don't find joy before obedience. Obedience comes first, then comes the joy. If you're looking to understand the love of God, Oh, you can find the love of God because it's in that you can trust him because his passion for you never wanes and never fades. And if you're looking for genuine peace that passes all understanding, trust him. You can trust God's power. Trust his power. 
because the power of the cross changes everything. Trust God. Trust him with his power because he laid everything on the line for you and everything on the line for me so that we could know him. We're going to transition in our service at this point. And as we said earlier in our announcements, you can take out your special, special candles tonight and you can snap them right now and get them all started. Get them all lit. And can I just encourage you as the worship team prepares to lead us in some songs, we're going to sing some Christmas songs that just speak to the love and the power of Christ and the beauty of knowing Jesus. Can I just encourage you tonight, take this time, not just to participate, but to really engage and to reflect on the love of God, the hope of God, the peace of God and the joy that comes from knowing him as we worship him tonight.
church. Let's celebrate him tonight. Can we just do that tonight with our voices in our hands? Come on. Come on. Let's celebrate him. Come on. Let's celebrate him. Let's celebrate him. Come on. Let's do it. That's good. Come on. We're going to sing it one more time. And I want you to knock the roof off of this place. Let's sing it out. Here we go. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Christ the Thank you tonight, Lord, for being an amazing God. Are your hearts lifted tonight, church, with the arrival of Jesus? It's not just about a baby. It's about the gift of hope tonight. You can trust God in his promises. It's about joy tonight. You can trust God with his plans. It's about love tonight. You can trust God in his passion to pursue you. And you can trust him because he's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Prince of Peace. And he can be trusted because he's powerful. Amen? Amen. What better way for us to end our service than to just sing our heart's desire, heart out, and just declare joy to the world, the Lord has come. Would you just join the worship team and just lift your voices up and let's just sing praise to the Lord after we pray. Father, we just come before you today and I want to thank you for this Christmas season that we can be mindful again of the goodness of God. We can be mindful again, Father, that you have given us a gift that we could never repay, never earn, but you've made it available for each one of us. God, may we celebrate you tonight with a heart of reckless abandon to declare you are God and to lift you up with an attitude of joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Let's praise the Lord tonight, church. Come on.